Well, one of the uh, most frightening things, in my opinion, about what's happening on this side of the world, and, and certainly around the entire world, but here in the United States, uh, has been some of the activities on college campuses in the USA in the aftermath of the start of this war. And uh, it, it, it's, it's frightening. It's, it's almost unbelievable, frankly, uh, for some of us to watch and to see uh, what the students are chanting and uh, what um, cause they are supporting. Why is this happening? And uh, why are uh, places like Torah University an exception as opposed to the rule? Dr. Alan Kadish, who is the president of Torah University, is with us live via telephone. We get an opportunity to discuss this with him this morning here at JM in the AM. A pleasure to welcome you back, Dr. Kadish, to JM in the AM. It's good to be here, although, of course, I wish it were under different circumstances. No question about that. Have a productive and safe trip to Appreciate that very much. I hope it's productive, and I certainly hope it's to the benefit greatly of our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land. Now, I know that we'd have to probably sit for a while and discuss the last 30, 40, 50 years of higher education uh, and where it's been uh, housed uh, on the campuses where it has been housed in this country. So I know there's no simple answer, but desperately we ask someone like you, how did we get to this place where so many of the prominent college campuses at the moment are in fact featuring the type of rhetoric, support, and chance that we are hearing from the students. So I'd like to begin by saying that I by no means am trying to minimize how absolutely horrible it's been, how frightening, how morally indefensible, and how much revulsion I feel to what's going on. But it's fair to say to start with, we're not talking even on the most on the campuses with the most egregious demonstrations. We're not talking about all or the majority of students. We're talking about a highly vocal subset of students, sometimes a small number, sometimes a much larger number. So I don't want anyone to have the impression that this is everybody on college campuses who's anti-Israel and anti-Semitic. That's not the case. Even apart from the Jewish students, there are many students who are supportive of Israel supportive of the righteousness of trying to be sure that massacres like the ones perpetrated by Hamas never happen again. So it's not everybody. But having said that, uh, it's obviously, I agree with you completely, been terrible. So I think to try to understand how we got here, we have to look at a few factors. The first is anti-Semitism has been around for 2,000 years and continues to be around. And because we had some decades where it was relatively quiet, at least in the United States, we lulled ourselves into thinking that it was gone or going away. And one thing that the most recent demonstrations have clearly shown is anti-Semitism has never actually gone away. (laughs) So that's, I think, unfortunately, one thing that that we've learned. A second uh, factor that's been responsible for these demonstrations is the growing feeling among some academics, professors, and students that the moral righteousness of of a cause is 
defined by how successful you are. That is automatically those people or countries or institutions that are successful have moral failings, and those people who are less powerful are morally righteous. That's true that the less powerful might need our help, and the Torah makes that clear in many cases. But it also makes it clear that judgment ought to be independent of wealth, and it ought to be based on righteousness and moral principles. And that entire ethos that powerlessness equals righteousness uh, is, I think, what's driven a lot of the sympathy for the Palestinian cause and the intellectually dishonest movement of intersectionality, where anyone who's disadvantaged has the same degree of moral currency. And those movements have been increasing on college campuses for some time. And because Israel has been successful, it's been an economic miracle, uh, although obviously it's had some failings, it's mostly been militarily powerful. Uh, when we have a conflict such as what's going on between Arabs and Israelis or non-citizen Arabs and Israelis, um, it's automatically assumed that those who have been less successful are morally righteous. Right. Well, and yeah. that's been part of a general movement that's been going on. Well, And this, this is just one example of it. it oh, it's I, intellectually I, dishonest. Uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, I hear that. And what you're describing, as you said, and it's, and it's such a clear way of thinking uh, based on, uh, you know, uh, as we observe what's been happening over all these decades on college campus, it's really, uh, it paints the correct picture. What's disturbing or even more disturbing than the fact that it's happening, and this you could appreciate from the position you sit in, after all, you're the president of a university, is the tolerance, the patience that university presidents, faculty, department heads, faculty in general have uh you know and, and and the sympathy they have toward this cause in other words i'm sitting here thinking all right you're describing something that's you know understandable that this happens in the world of academia and this is the way you know we and, and this is the way where the cause has drifted so to speak but why is there so much tolerance from the leaders on campuses to allow this to go on or at the minimum to challenge what's going on so I think I want to uh, clarify a couple of things that you just said in your question. So first of all, it, on the part of faculty in many cases, um, it, it's, not, it's far more than tolerance. In many cases, faculty, particularly in Middle Eastern departments, have been driving these ideas. Right. In many cases, faculty in other departments have been fully supportive of these ideas. Um, People who choose to become faculty members at universities first are self-selected in a couple of ways. One is, in order to get a faculty appointment, you need the approval in many cases of the existing faculty. So it's sort of a self-perpetuating group of people. And it turns out statistically, political leanings, and particularly the kinds that I discussed, tend to be overrepresented in faculty members as opposed to the average people in the United States. Mm -hmm. So among faculty members, it's not, it's more than tolerance. There are groups of faculty members who have Leading demonstrated full-throated support right. for, for Hamas. Among university administrators, it's far more complicated. There's a huge debate that's been going on among university administrators and presidents about whether 
universities themselves should weigh in on issues or allow the campus simply to have discussions. And this debate has been going on for a few decades, and the two sides of the debate are one that university leaders have a responsibility to educate, both intellectually and morally, and university leaders should be taking a position and should be telling students and faculty what they believe is right, not suppressing free speech, free speech, but telling people what they think is right. The alternative viewpoint is that university leaders should simply make sure that free speech is allowed and that it doesn't cross the line into hate speech. The problem with the idea that university administrators ought to be observers rather than moral or intellectual leaders is that that principle has been unequally applied. What I mean by that is after the George Floyd murders, after other events, college presidents have uniformly weighed in to provide moral judgments and clarity. But in this particular case, some, not all, some have been slow. There are movements underway try to uh, put together groups of university leaders who will have some moral clarity, particularly about the murderous assaults of Hamas. Um, And I would say, actually, the majority of university leaders understand what's at stake here and are appalled by what Hamas did. Not all of them are willing to publicly say that Right, because of the way they view their responsibility. Well, that's an important, so, yeah, uh, that's an important, okay, po- that's an important point that I think because you you keep getting back to the you know is it only the high profile places or a lot of them cer- certain of these college campuses are making a lot of noise and it, and therefore it seems to be a lot bigger of a problem than it actually is. And I'm not minimizing the problem, believe you me. And I know you're not either, but I'm wondering. You have a lot of colleagues around this country. Do you suspect that the majority of them? are able to stem the tide and and control the campuses, especially if, in fact, what you're saying is correct, that the majority of them understand how abhorrent it would be to be a supporter publicly of Hamas? So I don't think anyone can control a campus these days. Remember, the average tenure of a college president in the United States is about five years. Even the smaller Uh, campuses don't have an advantage for the president. I mean, no matter what the size is, it's, it's hard to control. You can't control a campus. That, that's uh, an overstatement mm-hmm. of what anyone can do. What you can do is try to stake out a moral position, an intellectual position, and explain why you believe what you believe and try to guide the discussion as opposed to saying, oh, something bad happened, let's discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, but in no cases do I believe that college presidents can control a campus or even as they necessarily should. But what I do believe is, particularly in this case, and I I have written about this, that this was a case where college presidents should have said that the day after a mass murder, which evoked an intergenerational trauma to the Jewish people, that demonstrating on campus supporting Hamas, even with full-throated acceptance of the violence, is morally wrong, culturally incentive, and while it may be legal, you just shouldn't do it. Mm. And 
very, very few have been willing to say that. Uh, and I'm not sure that that would have changed anything. Right. But at least it would have provided a clear moral lesson. Yeah, it would have made me feel better, and it would have at least given us the impression that some of the leaders on campuses have some common sense. Dr. Alan Kadish is with us, president of Torah University. Now, of course, the million-dollar question, which some people in this audience will say it's unfair that I'm asking you, <laughs> that maybe I should ask someone who might be in a different, a more objective position. But I have a feeling you could answer this question objectively, frankly. And the question is, how does one send their Jewish child to major college campuses today in this country. A lot of people are asking the question, what does Dr. Alan Kadish say? So I would answer in the following way. First, I think everybody should send their children to Toronto. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm being <laughs> only a little flippant. Um, but what I would really say is the following. Look, first... I think we need to wait a couple of weeks to see how this, or a couple of months to see how this all sorts out. Right now, I do believe indeed the atmosphere on many college campuses is inhospitable for Jewish students and certainly for observant Jewish students and for, certainly for supporters of Israel. I don't think that's a bold statement. Um, I also uh, you know, would, would uh, sort of recapitulate uh, the old maxim from our rabbis of Hanoch Lenar al Pidarko that you have to teach each student in a way that's appropriate for them. Right. So, are there some students who are strong enough where some of the advantages of great universities can overcome the influence that's around them and they'll be able to stand up to it and, and speak out for Israel and not be affected by what's going on? I'm sure there are, uh, but I think for a lot of students, I think honestly, not just parents, but we as a community need to rethink how this is happening and make sure that there are options available for Jewish and Orthodox students all across the spectrum to get an education in a safe and comfortable environment. And it, it, exactly how bad is it gonna turn out to be on campuses? I think we're going to see that over the next few months. As I mentioned, that there are some initiatives to get college presidents to try to speak out. Uh, there have certainly been some counter-demonstrations. There have been business leaders who stepped up. Um, and in some cases, those business leaders have been able to overcome some of the reluctance yeah. of college presidents to speak out. Uh, and, and it's not that I think that the college presidents are, are you know, suddenly changing their tune, right. but I think that they've... Uh, been prodded to express what they were reluctant to otherwise. Yeah. So I think it's premature to make some permanent judgments, but I do agree with you that as things sort out over the next couple of months and we see what the atmosphere on college campus is, is uh, it, it, it may well be that we do need to rethink some of the choices we make about where to send students to school. Uh, and as... Um, one, as a leader of one of a small handful of Jewish universities, we have to make sure that we have options for students who think they'd be better served by our institution, uh, for students across the spectrum to make sure they have a place where they can get a great education and feel comfortable. And we have those already, and we'll continue to work to make those more available. Look, I mean, uh, there's no question that we have to be thankful 
for a university like yours, it is a safe and comfortable place for young people in our community. No doubt about that. In fact, I mean, to the point where obviously some of your schools are literally a yeshiva environment, and I say that in the most positive way possible, both for men and women, uh, where they could be in that type of environment, which is wonderful. But it's also, I, I'd like to ask, with all due respect, I mean, uh, you do in some of your schools, you have a very mixed student body with, uh, you know, ethnic groups represented from a lot of different parts of the world. Has everything been relatively quiet? Has there been any dissension or any, uh, has it been difficult for any of the Jewish, Jewish students in some of those schools to get along with their colleagues because of the political environment right now? Or thank God everything's been very calm? Well, First of all, as a first pass answer to your question, overall, everything's been extraordinarily calm, okay. certainly compared to other college campuses. Right. Turo has 19,000 students. Right. Are there some students who are saying things that uh, we prefer them not to say? There are certainly some. Not very many. Uh, we do have a sort of strict social media policy, which controls what you can say on any point of view on our own social media ones that are specifically related to students. But there are some students out of 19,000 who said some things on their own private social media that that have been upsetting. Uh, And we're working with all of our students to try to make sure there's mutual understanding, mutual respect, and a comfortable environment. Uh, So has it had absolutely no impact on our schools with a diverse student population? No. What's going on in the Middle East has impacted, I think, everybody. Um, Have we been lucky that students, by and large, have been understanding and worked together? Overall, yes. And when there have been some bumps, we've tried to smooth them over in an appropriate way. And, of course, at the undergraduate level, as I pointed out, I mean, they're, you know, you're, you're um, overseeing, uh, at the minimum, a couple of institutions that are literally, you know, yeshiva-type environments. And uh, uh, p- parents have to look very carefully at all the choices that are out there uh, when they start to think about where their children should be going. Uh, because it's those types of environments that, uh, for many, like you said earlier, there's some, you know, everybody to their, you know, w- with the education and then the approach that they need. But for many, it's really the best place and to be surrounded by an environment like that. So thank God it exists. Um, and uh, I, I mean, it, it sounds like, based on what you're saying, that with all the rhetoric and all the heat that is being felt now with these issues on major campuses around this country. You, it sounds like you have the feeling that this, like many other movements, is going to calm down relatively soon. Would that be safe to assume? I think uh, that's perhaps a little overly optimistic. Oh, wow. I think, first of all, first of all the, 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 the fact that students in the future are going to have to get together in class and in an environment where in some cases hundreds of students immediately after the mass murder of Jews have been screaming things that are hurtful and objectionable, I don't think that goes away. Um, How bad it's going to be a few months from now as these various places and things sort of sort themselves out, that remains to be seen. But it's never going back to the way it was. It's not calming down. It's just a question of how uncomfortable the environment is in the long term. Never going back to the way it was. Never going back to the way it was. That might be, yeah. Yeah, it's never going back to the way it was. I don't see how a student, I mean, we never, obviously, uh, uh, um, you know, in 10 years, who knows. Right. 
but I don't see how you walk on campus. Uh, uh, you know, I went to Columbia uh, for college after Yeshiva High School. Uh, went to Yeshiva at night, but I, I don't see how I would personally, having seen what went on in the demonstrations at Columbia, uh, could ever walk onto campus without that being on my mind. What? It's going to be a long time before that completely goes away. What a vital message to parents and students out there. What a message that is. By the way, in your new location in Midtown, you're like right where all the uh, where where many of the demonstrations are taking place. Correct? We are uh, so far. Thank God the demonstrations that have happened in Times Square have been relatively quiet. They've been mostly pro-Israel demonstrations. There have been some others. Uh, there's been some education on the streets of New York and other places. But so far, Times Square has, has been relatively quiet. Um, you know, the first day of rage, there were some people who thought we should close campus. Uh, who knows what would happen? And we worked with the New York Police Department. And there were no incidents at all. And in the demonstrations that happened, have happened since then, uh, by and large, things have been very, very quiet. And so uh, we have, thank God, been very lucky and, and very lucky compared to what many others are going through. Wow. And we'll give a special shout-out to NYPD for what you just described. Uh, Dr. Kadish, a real pleasure. Um, it's uh, interesting times, to say the least. Our best regards to everybody at Turo University, and we are very thankful to you. We're thankful to you and your administration, your faculty and staff, uh, as you are leading campuses where our children can feel comfortable and safe, and what's more important than that. Kolaka Voden, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Dr. Alan Kadish is, of course, the president of Ventura University with us on a Monday morning broadcast here at JMNAM. As all of us look with some horror and fright at what's happening on college campuses around this country during this very, very sensitive time.